Peace, and welcome to another episode of Artistry, where art meets industry. We are your hosts, Rochelle Etienne Robinson and Stan Substantial Robinson. Season 3 of Artistry is powered by Words, Beats, and Life. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Artistry, where art meets industry. I am Rochelle Etienne Robinson, and to my right is Stan Substantial Robinson. For those of you that are joining us for the first time, welcome. For those of you that are returning, welcome back. Mm -hmm. We are back with season three. It's crazy. (laughs) And, And it's super dope because season three is sponsored by our good friends, Words, Beats, and Life. Shout out to them. Clap it up for Words, Beats, and Life. You know what I mean? It's very exciting. So who we got? So today, our, our special, special guest is none other than artist and educator um, from the DMV. Yes, indeed. Mr. Andrew Katz. Andrew, welcome. Hey. Andy. <laughs> What's going on, good sir? Welcome, welcome. All coming together, as you would say. Yes. Yes. We... I, Absolutely, is, we making so, it. <laughs> yeah, I'm so glad it's actually coming to fruition, and uh, yeah, congratulations on your third season. Thank you so much, man. Thank, Thank you. Thanks for being here with us, man. Um, and yo, and you know, and shout out to you for a lot of different reasons. But besides being a dope artist, it was cool to find out that you were actually a fan of the show too. Yeah. So that was that was super cool. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's uh, yeah. I'm doing my homework. Yeah, man. I didn't realize I was doing homework at the time. I was uh, <laughs> I was uh, listening to all these episodes and and uh, finding all kind of inspiration, whether it was during the pandemic or, um, you know, I was taking the dog for a walk and listening to people talk about how they're composing music for video games and um, yeah. a lot of musicians. And uh, yeah. what was really kind of cool is hearing how um, a lot of your guests are, are really good friends of yours. And yeah. I was thinking um, that this is a little bit novel because while I'm, I feel like I'm a friend of yours, we're sort of yeah. the beginning of our connection. Yeah, and yeah. A lot of the people you've interviewed, you've had this sort of lifelong connection with, uh, whether mm. it's high school or before. But um, I think that's what's so cool about your, your show and, and is that you're you're giving rise to uh, people who are creative in all different ways, yeah. but uh, celebrating connection, which is yeah. what I absolutely love about how I know Stan, really. Like we, mm. we got connected in a really organic and special way. And mm. I don't know if that'll sure. come up in our, in our talk, but. Uh, oh yeah. I got, I got that question for later. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> but, yeah. but please. No, but thank you so much. Thank you for being here. We mm-hmm. have so much to cover. And we have so much to share with our audience. You guys are in for a treat. Um, with We're going to show you some examples of his work. But first and foremost, before we get started and do a deep dive, how are you and the family? And how was it? How has it been these last two years during the pandemic? Oof, man. Well, I it has been hard. It has been uh, a real challenge as a, as a as a parent and as an educator. Um, I wouldn't say it's been as hard as an artist. I feel like the art part has been a catharsis and a, an opportunity to uh, all of a sudden have time to work on things that I might not have had before. Uh, you know, there was no excuse when you're sort of locked in the studio and you don't, you, you're not supposed to be anywhere else. 
Um, but, but once we were back at school and, and once our, my, my kids are back at school, um, the, it was really challenging the whole navigating hybrid education. And, um, yeah. I was going in every day, but the students were coming in every other day and the masks and, the and, um, virtual learning, um, while also teaching the students that were in front of you physically right. was right. overwhelming and, and just really, um, it was too much. We learned a lot, but uh, we learned about a lot about what not to do too. So yeah. I think it was really hard um, psychologically for everyone. Um, speaking just for myself, it was hard for me psychologically and uh, just to try to be up all the time and yeah. try to maintain enthusiasm and and um, uh, practicing self-care while also offering care of young people is a lot. You just found yourself spreading yourself thinner and thinner and thinner. And, um, I, and it hasn't really gone away. Uh, this year is different, but it's also hard. Yeah. And um, pro probably because of some of the deficits that were left behind, I think there's uh it's just a it's just a lot i mean i could go on and on that would yeah. probably be not a very inspiring <laughs> <laughs> no but i think it's it, it's it's an important question because i think you know being a parent and an educator so mm -hmm. it's like you get a, a one-two punch so you you know as an educator and also being an educator teaching art right mm -hmm. where for a lot of people it's considered an elective right so it's not as important as for you know some people might consider it not as important as english or math or science mm -hmm. so then you're dealing with that whole piece and then it's like as far as materials right paints some kids do not have those art supplies at home so mm -hmm. i can only imagine what that struggle must have been like you know last year and going into this year so i'm happy yeah. that you know yeah one of my one of my i guess ideas that sort of worked was uh when we were really in lockdown and we had to do the virtual thing i um i got like 200 pizza boxes and i filled them with art supplies and i chose pizza boxes because i wanted to also put different size paper in there so i gave them a minimum amount of supplies but i sent home and i think a lot of school systems and schools answered the call this way the pizza box for me was kind of cool because they could draw on the box yeah. itself yeah. and they could take it apart and we could construct it. But it also afforded me uh, the opportunity to put in larger yeah, sections of paper. And yeah. um, and then I could just throw pens and markers and other things in there too. Um, yeah, but that's creative. That's it was great. tough. It was tough, yeah. but it works, you know. And I, I, I was glad to just um, never see it again. It was fine <laughs> if they just absorbed it into their household. That's right. fine. Yeah. No, that's yeah. great. You know, you currently reside, um, as we mentioned before, in the DMV in Maryland specifically. Yeah, Were, yeah. Are you from Are you from Maryland originally? Born, raised, lived my whole life in Maryland. I really? I was um, I, I was born in Baltimore. I lived um, first twenty years or so of my life in Ellicott City, mm -hmm. and um, my wife and I moved out to the Eastern Shore in two thousand, uh, the year we got married. So yeah. everything kind of happened in two thousand for us, and. Uh, We've lived on the Eastern Shore, uh, but I still work on, in Annapolis, so I'm across the Bay Bridge twice every day. And um, I love Maryland. I'm a big fan of Maryland. <laughs> I, yep. Some people are like, is that a gun on your hat? Right. <laughs> right. It's Maryland. Right. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm, 
I, I know I'm a little biased because I haven't, I've traveled elsewhere, but I've never mm. lived anywhere else. It's always yeah. I mean, for those, again, those of you watching or listening, if you haven't been to the Eastern Shore, it's definitely, or the state of Maryland, period. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, you know, there's so many parks and, and recreation and beaches to definitely take advantage of. So, you know. Yeah. I'm, I Listen, I'm a Maryland guy, too. So I'm, I'm super biased, right? Like, yeah, yeah. man, it's. I'm only living in Virginia right now because my wife is from Virginia. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Other yep. than that, yep. we'd probably be neighbors. You know? Well, some people would consider us neighbors anyway. Right. Oh, yeah, you, right. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about like in the same state neighbors. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. you know, but yeah, but I feel you. Yeah. yeah. You know? It's funny. My wife and I have a joke. We, we've been on vacation before and not not close to home. And people will say, where are you from? And mm. he has said, well, we're from um, near D.C. That's her answer. I'm right. like, we're from we're Maryland. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, but not everybody knows where that is. And I hope that's not true. Right. And I, but I'm like, we have to be proud and say we're yeah. from Yeah. You know? So they, I, they, they will never know if we don't tell them. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah for sure. And, and it's funny. I feel like people didn't really... Because what, what happened used to happen is a lot of PG folks, not everybody, but some PG folks would just say D.C., right? Yeah. Um, and prior to The Wire becoming a really, really popular show, um, even some Baltimore folks. I mean, I know some Baltimore folks now who, who will say um, at some point in time would say D.C. before they would say Maryland just because everyone everyone yeah. they came in contact with knew what D.C. was. So, um, but, you know, and now when you say Maryland, I remember being in France specifically. I was uh, in Lyon, France, and I said I was from Maryland, and they were like, Baltimore? Like the wire? And I'm like, yo, <laughs> everyone calm down. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. what I'm saying? I got family in Baltimore, but I'm from a place called PG County. Right. So, yeah, man. Yeah, it, yeah it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. So speaking about, you know, being in, from Maryland, what would you say was your first introduction to the arts? Hmm. Um, I would have to say it has everything to do with um, um, my parents, my father. Um, my father was a doctor and uh, he um, passed away when I was uh, 11. Um, but before Sorry he passed that. away, I mean, it's, it's almost 40 years ago. Can you believe that? Next year it'll be 40 years. I can't even believe it. But um, uh, even in those first 11 years, there was a lot of formative things happening for me. Um, they talked about... Uh, college with me when I was a little kid. They talked about art. My dad, although he was a physician and uh, um, um, he was a pediatrician, uh, he made time for art. And he, as he grew up, he was an only child. And um, I guess a bit of a nerd in hindsight. He was um, a mama's boy, like his mother was the center of his world. And he grew up in Brooklyn, New York. It sounds really cool and, and everything. Um, but he was this very sheltered only child. Uh, he was the center of their universe. And he grew up, uh, his hobby was collecting stamps. Mm -hmm. And this is the long way of answering your question. He, um, from the time he was a kid till the time he was an adult, he would collect the stamps, but then he would put them, mount them in the middle of a, of a binder. And this was in the 1950s at, at first. And then he would do his, elaborate beautiful illustration around the stamp uh, wow. based on the theme of the stamp and though i have this collection and i'm 50 years old now and i have this collection from the 1950s of my dad's when he was a kid 
that he passed down to us. And it's remarkable. It's, it's, it's stunning. And, but I, there's no question that that was, it has such a big impact on my visuals. Um, the way that I can connect to something or an object or a, or a story or, or a thing, because he did, he, he took something as simple as a postage stamp and he made a whole little world about it. And uh, I almost kind of want to donate it at some point to the Smithsonian because it's, mm-hmm. uh, the stamps themselves are not worth very much because nobody collects stamps anymore, but right. even they're not that rare. But what he did yeah. with it is remarkable. And um, it had a profound effect on me growing up because when I was a kid, one of the times that I would have with him, when he would be on call as a doctor, he would we would sit down and we would draw together. And I distinctly remember those times. And um, um, after he passed, the thing that really, I think, got me through and had a profound trajectory, a change on my life, were, was the people in middle school who said, hey, you can draw, like you have talent and you have something special here. And when, when I look back on it now, as an adult and as a, middle school teacher. I think I was okay. I wasn't, I wasn't lighting the world on fire, but mm-hmm. you can see that people helped me and they said, you know, this is something that you can do. And uh, it made me feel special and special enough that I started to invest in myself with my time and my, my energies and uh, eventually went to art school, which was a re- in hindsight, a really huge leap for me because I was yeah. kind of just floundering a little bit after um, after high school. And it just took some friends to say, you should probably apply to an art school. And I did, and I got in and it was incredible. And and then um, I, I just kept kind of letting letting fate take over. <laughs> so That's awesome. That's it, great. it's all one. And I know you have similar stories. Didn't you both go to art school? Yeah, yeah we yeah. did. We did. Yeah. Um, well, you, you want to... Go ahead. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, mine was uh, my my whole situation was really crazy because um, and we've talked about it on the show. So I'll, the condensed version is I didn't even know art school was a thing. Um, and this is when I'm still in middle school. And um, I just happened to crash the night at a friend's house who was applying to get into um, Suitland High School in Prince George's County, right, which, right. Uh, you know, had a um, visual and performing arts program. And so I had never heard of that school because no one in the community that I lived in um, was talking about that school like that. And um, so I just happened to be with him when he was auditioning, learned about the program. I was in the waiting area sketching. They realized, um, you know, I had talent. So they talked to my boy's mom, who then called my mom and got permission to have me uh, audition on the spot. So I had no portfolio or anything. I just did a couple drawings and answered some questions. That's cool. And um, yeah, man. And so it's crazy. So like and then if if I don't end up there, I don't end up in art college, um, Pratt Institute. Shout out to Pratt, um, mm-hmm. where I met this woman. So like Brooklyn, right? Yeah, Brooklyn. Yep. Yeah. Look, full circle. You know what I mean? Back. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it's crazy. So how did you find out about Pratt, though? It's funny. My I found out about Pratt um, through my uncle because my uncle actually went to Pratt before. It was known for being an art and design school. It was an engineering school, mm-hmm. and so he went to school for engineering back in the seventies. And um, even then, I, I was you know because I wanted I was interested in fashion and illustration. 
And so I was thinking of FIT. Didn't get into FIT, but I went to Portfolio Review back in D.C. at um, Corcoran. And, um, yeah, did a portfolio review. Pratt was there. They saw my portfolio, and I got a letter in the mail. Yeah, that's fun. I met Pratt at your... at your school, at actually, Micah. yeah, at Micah. Micah. That's yeah. um, yeah, they were looking at my portfolio there and stuff. So um, when I saw that, I was like, yeah, Michael was on the list of places I was looking at as well. But I knew I wanted to leave. I was like, I'm out, son. <laughs> and where's where's Micah? Baltimore, Maryland. Yeah, absolutely. You're a Maryland boy through and through, man. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. That's so awesome. I mean, it's it's kind of I, I remember hearing your story um from one of your episodes now when mm-hmm. you started talking about Suitland. And I, I, there's other podcasts that I love that are in your genre. I don't know if you're familiar mm-hmm. with um, Chris Doe. Um, mm-hmm. He has Future Podcast. It's Future mm-hmm. without an E at the end. And he mm-hmm. is, he's got an incredible podcast. And his story, he went to, I think he went to Design Center out in LA. Um, okay. Similar kind of like kind of almost fell into it. Didn't know there was yeah. such a, as an art school and ended up. Uh, making uh, he's now he's interviewing creatives for a living and he's kind of this guru uh and and there's another one out in uh, uh the uk that i that i've listened to and i, I quite enjoy it's called creative rebels and yeah. mm-hmm. um, i love them they're 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 very they're self-deprecating they're really humble guys <laughs> but they've done really uh-huh. well for themselves um and it's, it's just fun listening to their accents all day Right. <laughs> I bet yeah. they say the same thing about us. Right, right. <laughs> For sure. Well, you know what? I, I bet they do. I was telling my wife, um, both of you, and I think I said this to Stan, mm-hmm. you have the most beautiful podcast voices. It's the perfect for this. You know? I appreciate I, I, that. Absolutely. You know, because it's true. I like even the way that the show comes in, I love it. I love how it, we'll, we'll go clap it up for ourselves real quick. You know what I mean? We'll appreciate it. Thank, thank you for giving us our roses. We will take those. Definitely. Don't worry, Andy. We're going to have you come oh, back. We'll have yeah, you come for back. For sure, man. You know what I'm saying? You don't, you don't have to, you know, lay it on too thick. We got you, Andy. <laughs> you know? But so, so let me, uh, so I know earlier we talked a bit about, um, you know, some of the biggest challenges you had as an educator, specifically through the pandemic. But what are some of, um, you know, your biggest challenges uh, and what also do you enjoy most about the arts, about being a visual artist? Well, I'd say one of the biggest challenges is something I think um, Rochelle has brought up um, recently or, or in previous episodes about how your podcast is not just about art, but about the industry part mm-hmm. and the business of it. And I don't know how it was for you when you were in school. Um, and I loved my experience at Micah, but one thing that they did not do at the time was prepare us to be business people at all. Yep. Right. Um, in fact, I would, I would even say they, um, they viewed it almost like you were a sellout if you were mm-hmm. yeah. make any amount of money. Um, I remember when I told somebody I was going into art ed and they're like, oh, yeah, you know, that's the yeah, that's the easy way. You know, you know, you know, and I I was like, I got to pay back my student loans. Right. I have to get a job. And I wanted to be an educator, too. So it worked. But um, it was interesting to me that the quote, fine artists had a problem with people that wanted to educate other fine artists. It didn't really up. Um, But I'm always been a bit of a practical person and I. I needed to have a return on investment. If I'm going to go to an art school, I have to be gainfully employed when I leave that school. Now, the one thing I wish 
I wish they did a better job of, of sort of um, providing all of the different opportunities that you would have when you get right. out of an arts sort of right. Let like really see that there's an array of ways to make a living as an artist. And that's why I love what you're all doing. And these other podcasts is that you're celebrating the different ways that creatives can be not only happy with what they're doing, but successful with what they're doing uh, and yeah. make a living at it. And that I wish was taught. I, I, I subsequently, after I graduated many years after I graduated, I took up, they, they started in what they called was an entrepreneur program at mm -hmm. MICA. And it was, you know, just um, one class at a time. And I don't even know there was an extra degree attached to it. It was just really the business of being an, an artist and yeah. trying to mm -hmm. trying to understand how to write a contract and how to what to charge, because those are the questions everybody has. Mm -hmm. right? yeah, absolutely. How much should I charge? And then we all have I don't know if they're horror stories, but stories of, hey, I I did what you asked me to do. Mm -hmm. And they're like, well, that's not what I I agreed to and or I'm I'm not I had no idea it would cost that much money yeah. and I and just going in the wrong direction or not or going into things blind and not properly uh, writing out a contract or coming to an right. agreement before you start the work or getting a down payment all of those little all of the minutia that's really important if someone had just taught a one-on-one -on -one, -on -one course, a business course on that, yeah. it would have been so valuable and, and important. So that's a huge yeah. challenge. Which is a perfect segue because our next question. Yeah, uh, it's funny. So yeah, I, I was going to say, let me say one thing first, right? Um, before I ask the question, one of the things I was going to point out too, when I, whenever I hear people say that, right? When they kind of view people who are um basically you know looking for steady work as an artist like kind of like sellouts like it's crazy to me when i hear that because ultimately you know it, it's it's a point of view kind of privilege right where like who can afford most people are struggling to just go to school in general but art school is extremely expensive mm -hmm. right yeah. like and who has money to throw away like that to go be educated in a thing, not to pretty much be able to make a living and provide for themselves yeah. and those they care about. And um, and for me, I want to say as a as a kid, like maybe even in um, elementary school, when I first started drawing, because I was surrounded by people who were pretty much, you know, from the bottom and didn't have a lot people were constantly hustling and trying to find a way sometimes stuff that wasn't necessarily legal just to get by. So when I realized I was good at art, the first thing I tried to figure out in like second and third grade was how can I turn this into money? Mm -hmm. Right? Because if I don't, I'm, I'm definitely going to be doing what some of my, my peers are doing. Mm -hmm. And so that was something that was very urgent for me, even before I even knew there was a school um, for it. But uh, but yeah, I always find that interesting. But we'll segue real quick because everything you're talking about ties in with the next question, which is take us back to your first paid freelance job. You know, what lessons? I mean, you kind of touched on it already, but what was your first uh, freelance gig and like what lessons did you get from that? Like, what would you tell your <laughs> younger self um, now that, you know, you know better? I this probably isn't what you mean, but I, I definitely remember using um, my art as currency um, mm -hmm. at a young age. And it wasn't that I was turning it into money. I was using my art 
to talk to the girl that I liked or, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it yeah, was, it was, um, um, and it was always, and this is maybe like the, the beginning of, of the music connection too, because mm -hmm. I would often, if there was a girl I liked, I would find out what music she liked and I'd mm -hmm. familiar, familiarize myself with it. And then I would maybe draw a picture of her, um, of her favorite musician. So Aww. it's, it's a little embarrassing. It's actually it's really slick. embarrassing, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> but it's funny how the social media part, it, it boomerangs back because, mm -hmm. um, a, a, a girlfriend of mine, um, from 40 years ago, recently, she posted a picture I drew for her in seventh wow. grade. And wow. it's pretty funny cause it's not all that great, but right, I, right. I, I I remember what I was thinking and why I was doing it and, and, and it worked, right? Like I'm still right. connected to that person in a way. And, and, um, it's all, it's, it's really nice. Um, but I think in a more serious way, um, I, I, I kind of relied on people stepping up and offering me money for things. Mm -hmm. Uh, I wish I hadn't waited. I wish I had sort of formulated more of a plan. Um, mm -hmm. What would ultimately happen was people would offer me uh, uh, money that was maybe it wasn't enough, and I would either take it, uh, jump at the chance, and then um, I would feel bad about the deal. I would give them my work and wish I hadn't, and I would have this mm. money. And then uh, uh, occasionally I would I would sell something and feel good about it and realize, okay, there's a there's an actual equation here. Um, right. that sense where the customer's happy and the artist is happy and you're happy that you no longer have the work because they do. And that's the right price. So when, when sure. people say, well, what do you charge? Uh, it really depends. It depends on the work. It depends on the medium. It depends on uh, the situation. And now I feel like I'm in a position because I have a job as, a, as an art teacher that I don't have to say yes to everything. Um, right. Also don't have to um, give things away. And I also don't have to, uh, charge too little. I can say, no, I can say, um, yeah. you know, I'm not interested in doing that, that work. And that's tough. It's tough to say no. Cause you're like, well, what if no one ever asks again? What if I right. don't have another next gig or, or next, um, uh, project, but that's been, that's been the interesting thing about social media is that mm -hmm. I've used uh, social media for all of the awful things you could say about social media. Mm -hmm. It it is absolutely the spark for so much uh, artistic connection um, where I, I've met so many people I would never have met before because they've seen my artwork. They followed up with me or they offered me money or they or they just bought it because I had a link but where they could buy it. So mm -hmm. um, the freelance part, I think, was a real slow burn, and it was there was some good high highs and some really low lows with with things being either given away. And and I, I was in a bad habit with that. I would just be like, oh, I just want you to have it, and then not realizing that you're sort of doing yourself a tremendous disservice by doing that, um, yeah. because the next time someone wants something. Uh, you're gonna, they're gonna say, oh well, you just gave it to so and so. Right. Mm -hmm. That's true. I did. How can you charge me if it, I'm your friend? And it's, right. it's, uh, it's, it's tough. Yeah. But it did start. Most of it starts with friends for me. Like the, the whole getting paid to do things, having people who believe in you, yeah. and who 
who really do honor your time. I've had some very close friends who stepped up and said, I look, I, I want this piece. I know it's going to cost a certain amount. Let's iron out all the details mm-hmm. and go forward. And that's a gift that someone yeah. understands that it's, it's truly a, uh, an, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, a transaction. Yeah. Um, a business transaction, even though you're friends and even though you love each other, um, maybe because you love each other, they understand that this is going to cost a certain amount of money. And if they don't, right. if, if they don't want to pay it, they, we probably shouldn't have this conversation. Right. 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 No, that's real. No love lost. Well, right. we are going to take a quick break. Yeah. But uh, before we go real quick, we're going to show the people uh, a sample of your work. Right, so we've they been can... teasing them enough. Yeah, we've been talking about it so much. <laughs> so let's show them uh, one of your pieces real quick. And for those of you listening to the podcast, uh, make sure you come and check it out. Check out Artistry on YouTube so you can actually see Andy's work or visit his website, uh, which is Cats Arts at um, CatsArts.com. Pardon me. That's right. dot com. Yes, yes. So uh, let's go ahead and show them. This is probably our favorite piece. Yeah. Yes, Lord. Good Lord. Look at that awesomeness. Yeah, <laughs> and for man. those of you that are listening and not watching with us, what we're looking at is a watercolor, right, Andy? This is also watercolor? This one, believe it or not, this is um, a digital painting on an iPad. Mm. Gotcha. Oh, nice. So we're looking at a digital oh, painting of... Ones. Yeah. Of of the Yasin Bay, yes, formerly known as Most, Most Def. Def, Mighty Most, and right. it's so realistic. I mean, it looks like it came straight out of a magazine. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. The colors are vibrant. You have teal in the background. You have what is that fuchsia reds? You got reds. You have pinks in there. But um, it's beautiful. Yeah, it's beautiful. You know, and then, with the, uh, then on the back, uh, the black background got the whole red, black and green thing happening, too. It's pretty it's pretty dope, man. It's oh, great. Thanks. work. I always have to I always have to like this one's obviously taken from a photograph. I, I, mm-hmm. I definitely drew it. I definitely painted it. It's digital. But I I spent mm-hmm. hours and hours and hours trying to make sure everything's right. But I have mm-hmm. to give it up to people who take these photographs because. Yeah. I'm I'm really at their mercy. It's not like I sat. I went to yeah. this show and I sat there and got this. Um, right. There are some artists who do that who paint like right there on scene. But I'm I'm really looking for photographs that move me that I that I want to try to paint or draw. And and uh, this is one of those. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, salute to you for doing an amazing job, and salute to the photographer as well. And of course, salute to the mighty most. Uh, <laughs> now known as Yasin Bey. Um, their new project dropped recently, by the yeah. way, too. It's definitely dope. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, man, so we're going to take a quick commercial break and show some love to our sponsor, Words, Beats, and Life. Andy, don't go anywhere. And everybody watching or listening right now, stick around. We'll be right back. All right. My name is Jakia Hall, and I am the Academy Manager and the Fashion Design Teacher. I've always been creative on my own, but being able to actually express it through a medium and being able to showcase to others the type of creativity I had probably helped me in the best way in terms of confidence. I've always been passionate about keeping the youth in the arts. It wasn't really an outlet when I was younger. Being able to showcase that to younger students who at a time may not have someone that 
is telling them that being an artist is a real career and also being a black woman, of course. Being able to be that figure for them and let them know that if I can do it, you can do it, if not better. That's why I'm at Words, Beats, and Life. Enroll in my fashion design class today at wblinc.org slash academy. All right, and we're back. Yes, indeed. Okay, so um, those of you that are just joining us, you just saw um, a piece from Andy of Mostef. We have some more war artwork that we want to show. Um, as we go through the different art pieces, um, let's talk shop. You've created some phenomenal, phenomenal lifelike, like the one right here with um, Redman, for instance. Mm -hmm. um, walk us through your process. And most. And then the other question is, this is a two-part question. The other question is, why water watercolor specifically? And I believe one is watercolor, and the other one's uh, digital illustration, right? Like yeah, the that's right. Yeah. yeah, the uh, the one with Questlove is watercolor, and then uh, the Red Man piece is uh, digital illustration. You got it. And so, um, Rochelle, the the uh, process question is is really dependent on which <clears throat> which piece we're talking about. Mm -hmm. The the um, the iPad digital work is something I wanted to learn because my students were getting really interested in trying to do that. So I, um, I kind of learned how to do it basically using uh, an app called Procreate. And uh, it's such a kind of a funny name for the app, but, uh, <laughs> but Procreate was a $5 app when I bought it. And <laughs> it's probably the best $5 I ever spent. And yeah. mm -hmm. um, you can, you can color match exactly. You have a, a full complement of tools. They're all digital though. And I still can't quite get my mind around the idea that there's really no original. There's no one original. Um, yeah. uh, you can output and I've printed them. I've gone to a service bureau and I print them and they, they look stunning on paper. Uh, they look exactly the same. They're just not backlit. Um, but they are vibrant in a way that my watercolors might not be. In fact, my watercolor palette is a little subdued. And that part of that might be because I am a messy artist, I think. I'm a little dirty when it comes to, I don't clean my brushes as often as I should. And I don't get fresh water as often as I should. Mm. Um, and even though I'm a little like tight, well, I'm, I try to be really tight with the watercolor. Um, I, I tend to be a little lazy when it comes to getting up and re getting new water and, and cleaning off my brushes. So my colors are, um, they're the way I want them, but they, they aren't like super vivid, like yeah. the ones, the red man and the, and the most depth. So what you're looking at now that the um, public enemy piece, that's a watercolor that I have hanging in my house. Um, one of my favorites ever. And I'm actually really happy with the, uh, the wristband because it mm -hmm. is, not only is it um, a little more vivid, with the red, black, and green, you know what I mean, but it also <laughs> is, um, is uh, I, there's a technique in there where you drop salt, yes. just table salt into the wet pigment to and get the texture. Get this really nice texture. And it worked for things like um, LL Cool J's uh, Kangol and Chuck D's uh, um, uh, wristband. It just, it's perfect for certain things. And, uh, um, I could talk about technique all day with watercolor. Um, I was invited to uh, an Annapolis watercolor uh, thing where I, I was the guest artist and I, they, they want you to paint in front of everybody. And I warned them. I said, I said, I, 
I think you're going to be bored because I go really slow. And I, I you know, it was all of these uh, older people. I shouldn't say old, but older than me mm -hmm. people. And I was painting and sure enough, I look up and an hour and a half has gone by and I've got, I've done about this much of my painting. And they're like, well, we wanted somebody like loose and <laughs> like, that's just not me. But right. that's exactly why I think I ended up being successful with watercolor because for 20 years of my life, I had stayed away from watercolor completely because I failed at it. I was terrible. I hated watercolor because I thought it needed to be loose and free and, 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 and flowy. And some of my favorite artists had done it that way. And I did not do it that way. So what I do now, as far as process goes, if I'm doing a watercolor, I will draw for hours just with the hardest pencil I can find 4H or, or more. And I will just do the, the, the most rock solid line drawing. I can uh, with every value and every shadow drawn out as a shape. And then I go to, I color it in basically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I, and I love the painting part because I, it's almost like I've pre-planned everything. Yeah. So, um, and there, yeah, there's the, as you can see sort of the salt yeah, uh, effect on mm -hmm. the left side of his wow. angle. Um, yeah. yeah. And so, um, that's been i just fell in love with watercolor and then i would say for maybe 10 or 12 15 years that's all i did i get really kind of obsessive where i'm like well, this works i'm gonna do that and then just as i say that like uh, the nas picture comes up on cardboard and i i started to break away from watercolor a little bit i mean i'm always going to go back to it because i love it but i wanted to be I wanted to, to do, practice what I preach with my students, mm -hmm. um, take chances, take creative risks, don't just do what's comfortable, really try new things. So I, I remember being in college and then some of the painting uh, majors would uh, forge these relationships with uh, um, the box stores like Best Buy and Circuit City mm -hmm. and, 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 and they would, anytime they would sell a refrigerator or a, or a dryer, they would have this giant cardboard box and they would throw it away so the art students would say, hey, why don't you just give us that? Instead of us buying canvases, we'll just draw on cardboard or paint, yeah. with, even with oil paint on cardboard. And um, we started doing that with our students when we were teaching some high school students how to paint because it's a cheap alternative. Nobody's too precious about it because it's dirt cheap. You know, it's something you can usually find. Mm -hmm. um, so they're not going to worry. Like I spent eight hours doing like stretching this canvas. They just found a cardboard box. They can tear it up. They can cut it up and they have a whole semester's worth of surface yeah. to paint on. And so I started doing it with this Nas piece. I did um, I did a whole series of these too. I called it the corrugated cardboard collection. Mm -hmm. And I would bring them to live shows like the iced tea is one of those. And it's, it's maybe a little bigger than it looks. It's probably, I don't know, maybe 22 by 30. It's, it's oh, a wow. nice size sheet of, um, of cardboard and obviously when when you press harder on it you get more of the corrugation sh um uh, shining mm -hmm. through and uh that i loved and i don't know if you yeah. have a piece that shows this i i'm not I'm, i forget uh, which pieces you have but um i eventually started cutting into the surface and pulling away the top yeah. layer uh, exposing some of the lines of corrugation physically so they weren't just uh, looking like a rubbing they were actually 
part of that. There's one of uh, Black Thought where I did that. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. We saw that one. Where I, yeah, yeah, I cut into it and I pull away the top yeah. layer. And um, um, some of the pieces, I, as you may have seen with the LL Cool J and things like that, I, um, I, they're signed. And that, that's sort of how this kind of took off for me, this whole idea of um, bringing bringing uh, actual art to live shows. And so everything kind of started coming together when I started to not only draw the people that I admired and the music I was listening to, but I, I always considered myself pretty introverted and I didn't take a lot of chances and I didn't go out on a limb very often. And when I started realizing like, hey, I, I, just, I just drew Rakim and this drawing turned out really well. And he's going to be down in D.C. playing at the Howard Theater. What's stopping me from going down there to that show? And so I, I surprised myself by starting to go down to to uh, see live music and bringing artwork with me and kind of inviting myself backstage to show the talent uh, mm -hmm. what I was working on. Yeah. And um I guess it would have been I would have been shut down and it wouldn't have gone anywhere if everyone I showed my the work to wasn't so great about it. They were all like welcoming and they all they weren't in a rush for me to leave. Part of it was I think I was pretty patient and polite about getting backstage. I wasn't mm -hmm. pushing and shoving. I was waiting my turn. But once I did that, I was like, this is a thing like this is a this is something I want to spend some time with. And so I would I would hear about a show, give myself a month or a couple of weeks lead in and go, oh, OK, um, I don't know. Arrested Development's coming to the Howard. I'll, I'll do mm. a long speech. Um, oh, OK. Um, cool. Keith is going to play at U Street Music Hall. I'll have a drawing done when he gets there. And that's right. and and social media was this like this extra thing where I could almost I would let them know I was coming to their show. I would advertise their show by writing about it, um, by listing the venue all on Twitter. And then I, I, sometimes I would play around with their lyrics. I would throw out a couple lyrics, favorite mm -hmm. things. And then I would post my picture. And I said, hey, I hope to show you my drawing on Friday when you're in DC. And oh. not every time, but enough times they would be like, can't wait. Like, I'll see you there. And I was like, Whoa. That's awesome. and then the best one, and this might be a good segue for you and I, Stan, the, mm -hmm. what the, one of the catalysts for all of this was I started, I'm, I'm always been a public enemy fan and mm -hmm. I started drawing, I did this drawing of Chuck. It was always a dream of mine to meet Chuck D. Like I always wanted to not just, you know, say, Hey, what's up? I like shake his hand. I wanted to have a conversation with them. And, yeah. and I, uh, I did a drawing and they were coming through uh, the 930 club in DC. I couldn't believe mm -hmm. I was going to go to the 930 club and see public enemy. I thought this is incredible. Right. So I started doing my little Twitter thing. I was pretty new to Twitter too. I think it was 2012. I was late to the game, but it was new for me. And I mm -hmm. said, Hey, like Chuck, uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Chuck D at Mr. Chuck D 930 club on November, whatever. And, and then here's my drawing that I did. And I would, I would throw out all my favorite lyrics. And then one night my phone vibrated and it, it was a it was a direct message tweet and it said, Hey bro, DM me. And I was like, What does DM mean again? Like I <laughs> <laughs> right. my, 
I, I honestly thought it was like a cease and desist, like stop quoting me and stop using wow. my name. And, and instead I wrote him, I said, Hey, like, uh, what's up? And he's like, I, I, I saw what you did. Like, would you be my guest at the show uh, um, at the nine thirty club? And I flipped out, I've written a whole uh, blog about it. And I, um, it was incredible because it all came true. I went, I, I got a chance to meet him. He, he drew, um, uh, the, the public enemy logo on my drawing along with uh, his favorite line from don't believe the hype. Mm. And, uh, I had this, this opportunity to, to really connect with Chuck and a lot of uh, really amazing things have happened since then because of that connection. Yeah, no, definitely, man. So, which leads me to, um, two different things. So one, um, I know that I'm like, so I think it was 2017 when we met in VA, um, at an event where Chuck D was actually speaking. So, um, I mean, you pretty much just told the story of how you met Chuck, but that also led to you eventually becoming a curator for, for publicenemy.com. So tell us a little bit about like how you curate the site for them. Well, and that's kind of come and gone because yeah. I, I guess public enemy is sort of no more, uh, with, right. with Chuck and Flay, like, you know, having, um, having their issues. Um, sure. Uh, but it was really part of that initial meeting with Chuck. I remember I sat down in, in the hotel lobby to talk with him because he's like, yeah, we should talk. And we sat down and everybody had already left on the tour bus and Chuck drives separate in his little like the rental car. And, and he said, hey, like, so um, you've been you've been uh, doing all this art and you've been quoting us and, and putting things out on Twitter because you want to keep doing that for us. Mm. And I was like confused i said well, i'm gonna i'll be glad to do that yeah and he's like well i can't i can't pay you and i was like i wouldn't imagine you would like why okay, <laughs> still gonna do it it's awesome i love it and mm. and uh he's like well you know i'm thinking about some things and i have this idea for um like a the, the website but also this idea like i've traveled the world and i've met people all over the planet who do similar things, who make art that's hip hop related and change the world related. And um, would you want to be a part of that? So I took on the opportunity to just format pictures and write short articles and short paragraphs and things for publicenemy.com. And I was mm -hmm. diligent about it. I would do it um, as often as I could. I would just anything that was newsworthy that was going on with the group or I remember Black History Month, uh, they challenged me to do one really significant post a day for a lot of people that hadn't heard of certain um, atrocities that had happened. It was very mm -hmm. graphic, but it was really important yeah. that they used their platform. And I was like, I, I have to take this very seriously. This is a pretty, this is an important, uh, they're asking me to do this. So I learned a tremendous amount because I to write everything and i wanted to get everything right and so that year um we did some pretty profound posting on their on their website um so that was a that was pretty cool and ultimately they did pay me for that i couldn't believe it i think i, I wanted to frame my first little check it was like i was yeah. on the public, the public enemy payroll i like this is <laughs> i'll take it you know this is awesome right. um but then if I could segue into the other part was mad urgency was this right. um, Chuck is known for coining terms. Uh, uh, you know, even just their album titles are all like plays on words and 
he's he's a genius when it comes to just um, reimagining uh, the, the English language. Uh, mm -hmm. But um, he the mad urgency idea is one he got because what a lot of people don't know is Chuck is a visual artist as well. He's a trained mm -hmm. uh, drafts person. He um, went to college uh, for drafting and ar architectural design, and um, he still makes art all the time. And wow. uh, we gotta get him on the show, man. Yeah, you know, if, if I can, I'll, I'll do my best. I I know he retweeted it when I when I uh, told him I was gonna be on yours. So um, he knows. That's what's up. He knows that. Maybe he's out there listening right now. But he um, <laughs> he's an artist. He loves to give um, shine to other artists, and mm -hmm. uh, it's not a lot of people are like that. But he yeah. is. He uses his his notoriety to give other people shine and other people a leg up, and he's certainly yeah. done that for me. So he. That's he, how we met. Uh, that's right. He connect. Mm -hmm. He connects people, and and, and mm -hmm. that was that was exactly how we met, right? So I, I, should we tell that story or do you want to tell it or should I, I mean, tell it? Yeah, man, you, I mean, listen, you're going, you're the guest. If you want to, <laughs> you know, you want to throw me the alley-oop, I don't know how you want to do it. But yeah, I'm listen, the, the, you're already going, brother. Go ahead. Well, you started telling the story about how we met at, uh, it was a Martin Luther King weekend at um, the, mm -hmm. Clean, Virginia. And yep. um, I, I, I was really excited for my friend Malcolm to meet Chuck. So I wanted to go because he was going to be close enough that I could just drive and see him. And um, my, my friend Malcolm and my friend Skip went uh, to meet him as well. And we got, we sat right in the front row. You know, we were nerds about it. We just sat there in the front row. Like, <laughs> it'd be great. And um, he starts talking about um, music and, 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 and family. And, and he's, he, of course, always wants to give, uh, other people a leg up or or just mm -hmm. the spotlight and he said something like about uh he's like i think um substantial's here right substantial you're here right um why don't you stand up and i turned around and you who i hadn't met yet stand up and everybody applauds and he's like you know give him i think he's like give him your uh like give him your social yeah media. right have me shout out my social media <laughs> Bro, I was so, I wasn't ready. I thought I was ready. I was not ready. <laughs> and, I, and I'm sitting in the front row. I'm like, that's awesome. That is so yeah. cool. What a cool feeling that must be. And mm -hmm. um, and then he he starts talking again. And he's like, and he goes, uh, and like, Andy Katz is here, right? Hey, AK, that's why don't crazy. you stand up? And I was like, what? <laughs> and like you said, I wasn't ready. So yeah. I said, people clap. He's like, give me your social media. And then he. He talks about social media for a while, but I was floored because I just, I was there to see him. I can't believe that yeah. he, he put the light on us. And then I took that as a little bit of a, just a, a nod when we were in line later on, uh, I think either I was in front of you or you, you were in front of me in line. Mm -hmm. I was like, that was something, right? Like that was cool. Yeah, that man. And then you had your, you had a CD and I was like, I was immediately taken with the um, artwork on the cover. I was like, this yeah. is beautiful. And I think it's your, you. it your daughter that's on the cover. Yeah, my old, uh, our oldest daughter, yep. yeah. Yeah, and you said, well, that's my yeah. daughter. And I, and I said, wow, that's really beautiful how that, like the cover art's great. And you're like, yeah, I did that too. I was like, oh man. <laughs> yeah. I, that was when, that, I don't know if it was then, but later on, you sort of taught me the term multi-hyphenate. Yeah. 
when you introduce yourself, I'm like, I'm going to use that. That's right. a great <laughs> title. I love that. Um, yeah. So, uh, I, you know, Chuck's a special guy and, and, he is. and, um, I hope he is. I hope he does listen to this. I hope he sees it, but it would be great to have him on your podcast because this is what he's about, right? Yeah. His connection and art and industry and using a platform to help other creatives. And so mad urgency is that what we are is we're a full service um, art agency. So it's a play on words on ad agency, mad urgency, ad agency. And we're all over the world. We have people in the UK, uh, um, Amy Cinnamon down in Miami. Um, we have Damien Vandermeer, who's in Australia. Uh, we have some people in uh, New York and uh, and here. So it's kind of cool. We get on, on phone calls or Zoom calls every once in a while and we strategize. And we've had a couple of what we call legacy shows. Well, one's in, one's in the works and we've had, we pulled one off already. Um, a legacy show is when we pay tribute to uh, a hip hop photographer by having them put their photos up and we all do paintings and drawings and artwork based on their photography. And so Ernie Panicoli, who's a, a pretty famous uh, hip hop, I mean, in, in hip hop circles, he's very famous. Uh, he's an icon. Um, he came out, we had a show in, in November in New York and it was, it was really amazing. And then from that, we got some other, other connections. Um, mm. So I, I I get rolling when I talk about Chuck and Matt Urgency. Yeah. There's so much that we're we're up to. We're always planning things and we're trying to uh, make things happen. And we're also we also try to stretch each other. I know mm -hmm. um, my friend Kyle Moser, who's up in New York, he is um, he's connected with Spike Lee uh, for some mm -hmm. really cool things. He's done a painting of Jack Johnson and um, and uh, Joe Lewis for Spike. And I'm not sure if I'm allowed to talk about it, but he's got some connection to the uh, Colin Kaepernick uh, mm. documentary that's coming out. Uh, so mm. we're visual, the visual arts part of that is connected to that doc. And I think Chuck is too. Sorry. I think Chuck's oh, part wow. of that too. So it's all hopefully overlapping. Yeah, man. Yeah. What would you, um, in reference to your work, going back to your work a bit, how would you say your artwork has evolved? from you know from your earlier days to how it is now um i guess i i like to i hope that it has evolved i i i um i am a bit of a um i pay a tribute to my favorite artists kind of subtly and then maybe not so subtly lately uh like i'm looking at these birds that i painted probably 15 years ago uh, they, wow. there's probably a date on there but i can't see it because i'm old now and i i, I have to <laughs> wear reading glasses, but those are paintings I did a long time ago. And they are, they're, they're my attempt to play with media. So I had some gold leaf and some collage along with, um, with, with traditional watercolor. And so what I evolved that to was when I started doing a lot of portraiture and I absolutely love doing portraiture is I started to incorporate collage and, and um, different materials into my watercolor. So I was all of a sudden I was gluing things down and tearing things up and making things look like like uh, that the golden eagle there where it looks like the map is kind of going behind the eagle. It's yeah. just it's just collaged on there and I cut it to make it look like it's behind the beak and behind the shoulder. But it's just cut that way. It's just a strip nice. of paper that's on the surface. Um, so I started doing that in some of my hip hop portraiture too. I know there's a 
a couple of like there's an Adam Yauch painting where I I printed out all of my favorite Adam Yauch lyrics and then I cut them all up and glued them on in little bits that looks like it's kind of emanating from his chest. Um, so um, oh. recently I have and I don't know if you have any examples of these because they're pretty mm -hmm. new. But during the pandemic, I was watching some, I guess, bad television and I saw like a whodunit where there was a. Um, there was a, a murder weapon that was found in a violin case. And in the, mm. when the violin case opened, I, for some reason, a little voice went off in my, inside my head. And I'm like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if you did a painting that fit into a violin case uh, or mm. a case or a trumpet case? And then you could just hang the case on the wall as yeah. a frame and, or you could open it and, and I immediately, like the next day, I got all excited about this idea. It was like a just a real epiphany. And I started looking on eBay to buy up instrument cases. At least that's what I thought I should search. So I searched oh, instrument cases and the, nothing that I was looking for came up. Like no musical instrument cases came up. But instead, um, these electricians boxes, these vintage old electricians boxes started popping up with all these gauges and knobs and dials and uh and the lids were usually either empty or there was just a, a, a old card in there so i had the impulse to draw a painting or, or make a painting that fits right into the lid and that's what i started doing and i've attached it to the, my hip-hop work so i the first one i did i think was a rock kim box i did a rock kim um portrait that fits into this box so the lid of the box opens there's a portrait of a traditional watercolor portrait that fits exactly in the lid. And then I, I, I challenged myself to bust the box open and take out the, the gauges and then digitally remake the gauges and, and add lyrics so that you could turn the knobs and the lyrics would go by. And where it would, it, the first one looks like it measures what a good MC he is. So. It, <laughs> of the I, I redid all the numbers and it says lyrics and it says flow and so the little the little gauge kind of like flutters in between and it looks like it's measuring how good an MC he is which is oh my gosh and then, we definitely have to have you have you back so we can yeah, see sure. that so the update there's just not enough time in the day no, but I know. we would we've gone through so many of your of your artworks with um the crabs and of course the, the athletes I have to say that though those the eyes are the ones. I mean, the eyes are the the soul, and how you're able to be able to draw people in with that, with your technique and everything is just is top notch. So kudos to you for doing that. Thank you. Oh I my mean, goodness. Sure. Love. I love the I love the challenge of doing a portrait. They don't all turn out. Um, I'm working on a KRS one right one right now where it's oh. a it's a colored pencil portrait, but it's in one of these. Uh, boxes that's um, from the 1920s, I think. And I remade the gauges and it's, it reflects um, lyrics from the sound of the police and my philosophy. <laughs> so it's like I'm going for my favorite, most poignant lyrics and I'm seeing how can I incorporate them um, either as an illustration or as a, as a concept. Um, and it's, it's, you have to be a fan, I think, in some ways. You have to go, what am I looking at here? And then go, whoa. Oh my God. Like the day that I did a De La Soul box and you turn the knob and it's my favorite. One of my favorite songs is I know by De La Soul and you turn the mm -hmm. knob and it says, greetings girl. <laughs> and it's, uh, <laughs> it's, 
it's I, I just I'm like, hey, I like this. So if, if I like it and I made it myself, like, OK, I got to get these out into the world. I've, I've made about I think 12 of them now. And okay. I'm pretty happy with how they're. We're definitely going to have to have to, you know, make an appointment. Yeah, man. Yeah, we, we definitely we're taking a look at things like uh, we need to figure out what's getting added to our collection. You know, so we can hang it in our home, man. Well, Andy, thank you so, so much for for joining us today and, and you know, sharing your journey. We so appreciate it. We learned a lot. Yes, indeed. You know, and got to reminisce as well. So it was a pleasure. Yeah. And to everyone watching, make sure um, you follow Andy on social media, um, Mm -hmm. like Twitter and also um, Instagram. It's just uh, AJ Cats with a Z. Um, that's a K-A-T-Z art. Um, it's art, not arts, right? That's right. Apologies. Yeah, no, no, that's, so, that's all right. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Apologies for the typo. But yes, Google. You could Google him. Yes, indeed. He's Googleable. Yes, he is. But, <laughs> can I, um, but can I drop do, one plug in here at the end? Yeah, please, by all means. i short on time. But um, one thing I, I would love to talk about at some point, and I always like to um, bring this up because it's new for me, but um, we... Um, in 2020, in the middle of the pandemic, we uh, we dropped a, uh, a mini documentary about mm-hmm. Run DMC. I don't know if you know about this. No. Um, oh, we haven't seen it. It's called In Search of Run DMC, and okay. it's um, available on YouTube. You can watch it uh, for free. It's all, it's 16 or 17 minutes long, um, and it's it's a whole other. It's like kind of my alter ego of me traveling, of using my art and my love of hip-hop to to travel as part of this larger group called delta bravo and um if you watch it you'll understand that when you visit a place you can really connect with it through uh vintage photography and um and and stories that you might know and then you can kind of go there and, and and discover things so it's it's really a it's a little bit of a um it's a travel documentary and a, and a, um, a discovery documentary so in search of Run DMC, check that out because I would love. Okay, to what see. what platform? YouTube. YouTube. Yeah, you we'll link it to the end of this uh, video, so that way, when oh, if great. you know yeah. anyone's ever watching it, it'll recommend it at the end of it for sure. Yeah, and the only reason I bring it up is Nick Light, the director, and Frank Angelchik, uh, who was the cameraman, um, sort of gifted it to me. I went to Hollis, Queens, to go see where Run DMC started. And they wow. followed me all over with a camera and uh, it was awesome. six or seven hours and they distilled it down to about 16 minutes. And it's wow. um, it's hopefully the beginning of a lot more. We're going to try to do more, more bands and more cities and more travel. And um, there's a lot more to tell. So that's why I wanted to bring it up. Oh. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Next man. thing you know, you'll be on CNN. <laughs> yeah. yeah, man. That's well, awesome. Well, again, man, thank you so much, man. Thank uh, you. We definitely you. appreciate you and your time and your ability, man. You're you've always um, like from the moment I saw your work, I was thoroughly impressed, and so um, it's a pleasure to have you on the show, brother. And definitely uh, looking forward to doing some more with you, man, in the future. I hear you. I'm glad. I'm so glad we're connected, and I'm glad yeah, that man. this this finally happened. It's awesome. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah. And All right. again. To everyone watching, man, thanks for tuning in. We're going to get ready to um, head out. But if you haven't already, you should know by by now. But please make sure you like the video. Shout out again to our sponsor, Words, Beats, and Life. 
And uh, yeah, man, we will see you for our next episode. Who we have as a guest uh, for next week? Next in two weeks, join us again. We'll have Naturel, also a visual artist, who will be joining us. Yes, also indeed. from the DMV. Yes, indeed. Maryland, <laughs> another Maryland guy. I am not mad I know you're at not. all. I'm very, very happy about how we're starting off season three. But Andy, we'll catch yeah. up soon, man. All right. All thanks, right. guys. All right. Appreciate it. All right. Likewise. Peace. All right, folks. So we will see you next time. Thanks for watching Artistry. Peace. Peace. Thanks for listening to Artistry, where art meets industry. Season three of Artistry is sponsored by Words, Beats, and Life. Visit www.wblinc.org to learn more. This podcast is produced by Substantial Art and Music. For more information, please visit www.subartandmusic.com. You can also follow us on social media at Subart and Music. Peace.